It's blind trying to lead the awake. That's where all the problems come into play, where like they may be skeptical about something, not want to try it, not give enough time. And that just is where we see the downward spiral of failure. And when we start to see the revolving door of marketers coming in and out. I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhill. And this is Don't Say Content. And shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. They're great at creating shows with strategic outcomes in mind. They've been with us since the podcast was just an idea, and they helped us bring it to life from strategy all the way to execution, and we absolutely love partnering with them. So if you, dear listeners, are thinking of launching a podcast, which you definitely should, by the way, we recommend having a conversation with our favorite people over at Share Your Genius. Now let's get into it. We're back on this topic of why don't CEOs and marketers get along? We've never talked about this before. It's just everything we ever talk about. <laughs> and it keeps coming up in all these different nuanced ways. So we just decided to keep going with it and dissect it more and more and more till either everyone goes crazy or we maybe solve something. The world. Yeah. <laughs> we solve every company's relationship between their head of marketing and CEO ever. Maybe, maybe. Or everyone gets sick of us and <laughs> tells us to quit our podcast. I want an award for that. Like if we do, it's like I want there to be like, like a Emmy award or a golden globe for that. Oh, I think like most improved in high school. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Kind of. It's fine. The it's fine award. And so exactly what are we going to talk about today? Because obviously there's some nuance in here in terms of like the bigger relationship picture between founders and their heads of marketing. But I think you had a really good idea on how to center it a little bit today. Well, this came from pains that I've had too, which is how do you hire for and manage a role that you're not an expert in? And I talk to founders about this all the time when they're growing their agent, when growing their company rather, there are points at which you don't need a full-time role and you need to outsource something or it's time for that pillar, like your first HR person or your first CFO. And there are certain areas where if you're not an expert in it, you're really anxious and feel like, because you don't know, and marketing obviously tends to be one of those because a lot of founders teams tend to be more experienced in the like technical business side of things. It's like, since it's something I've experienced, and I'm sure you have too, even coming up, you know, when you're getting to those first times when you can hire someone beneath you and you know the role, but you're new to hiring, like, Or even like, I mean, I got to the point where I was hiring folks on that I had never done that type of marketing before, right? I definitely cut my teeth in brand content community. But that whole other side of ops and data, that can kind of more of the conversion focused stuff was something where, yeah, it's marketing, but like, I'm not going to be able to understand their technical proficiency in the way that I would be able to if I had done the job before. Yeah. And like, are you using the best tools? Are you charging me the right amount? And I think Where we're really going with this is less on the like, how do you hire for it? It's just sort of the concept of when you have to hire for and or manage this role that you don't know anything about. And what we've seen over time is the challenges that come up because of it and the failures in being able to retain your marketing talent. And by that, I mean, not them quitting, but you firing them because you fucked up. (laughs) And I've been there, right? What we used to call it animals, we call it a mishire, is if it was on us too, and that's how we learned and got better. So it was like, I would take responsibility for that as a leader, because then that helped me do it better the next time. And so we want to 
help out our CEO and founder friends today and dig into this to sort of start moving this conversation to it's fine and pick up our award. There's like two angles, right? Where I think the CEO founder gets stuck. One is maybe they don't have the expertise in it. And so they are going to go externally to get support and help. One of those external places is likely their investors or their board. If you're going to them and the board is giving you bad advice, which isn't uncommon as it relates to marketing, then you're going to go in thinking you've got the right thing. You're going to interview from that lens and then it's going to go poorly. So it's sort of like what to do on the VC side, like where you're getting your inputs from and then how to start and how to like get better, how to learn to understand marketing better through the person you're hiring, which gets into like the trust category. I think that's an interesting thing to unpack this idea that like your board might be great at advice in certain areas and they might speak as confidently in other areas that maybe they're not as robustly aware of, right? But I think like the confidence level in which they speak might be the same in both circumstances. But I think it's less likely that you have somebody sitting on your board, especially if you're a VC-backed company that has an experience doing marketing, right? It's usually that somebody becomes a partner at a VC firm because either they rose the ranks in the VC firm and they've never actually been an operator or they were an operator, but likely not a marketing, likely not a CMO that then turned into an investor, right? So I think that's a really critical point is that there's lots of different types of marketing leaders. There's lots of different types of marketing activities. And if you don't have somebody that can help you parse through that and like put that in your brain, you might just get a recommendation of, the last type of person that that person sat on a board that they hired a CMO, right? And so you might get like a profile of like a different company and what they needed and like, oh, you should look for somebody like that because they're stellar and they're doing a great job at XYZ company that's completely different for so many reasons. And so I think that's one piece of it is like you have to be very careful of who you are getting advice from always, but specifically when it's something that maybe they're speaking confidently, but they don't have the background and in, in helping you parse through what you actually need. Oh, that's a big one. Maybe they were like the CMO at some at a company that does a different type of marketing altogether than a startup would deploy. Or maybe they are at an age where like they were doing it long enough ago that it's not really relevant anymore, but it's all they know. So they're like, this works. It worked before. Yeah. And if you're coming in blind and you're not looking for that, it's easy to just go and ask if there's someone with a marketing background on your board. That's why I really like the companies that have a head of platform. Mm -hmm. So there's Todd Stewart. I forget the VC he works for, but they brought him in help. And he's there to advise and support their portfolio companies in their marketing. Yeah. And to a certain degree, I think Jay Akunzo, when he was at NextView, thank you. I always want to say open view. And then I'm like, RIP. Sorry. Um, so he was more, he wasn't How really. How many times I, are you going to needle me with that today? <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm like the most insensitive person ever. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Two of your past companies tanked that you like loved working for and have friends from. I was like, yo, you think there's a common theme? <laughs> Do you think behind? you're the problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I even looked like, at Alex. What? I was like, is this insensitive? <laughs> No, you're not the only one that sent me those messages yeah. either. I think it was a rough. People that put two and two together were like, ouch, Margaret, that's, that's a rough month for you. 
<sighs> it's too, actually, it is sad because I like both those companies a lot. And it sounds like from the inside, um, especially around OpenView's policy around like women's health and stuff like that, you had a really good experience going in. Yeah, I think both of those places too, I think Envision and OpenView were absolutely exceptional at hiring. And so I think the really interesting thing in tech over my career is realizing that like, it's so I'm going to be like so lame and like the it's the friends you make along the way. But I really think like every time I've been in an exceptional organization that's good at hiring, which both Envision and OpenView were, it really is incredible to see where those folks go and what they start and how people bump back together. And I think that that's the benefit of it, right, is like being surrounded for a couple of years by exceptional people that then go on to do equally exceptional things that then you get to have as part of your network. So, And that's a big challenge for founders who are trying to hire their first marketing hire because you're not just fighting against competition from salaries. You're also fighting against their desire to work with the people that they know and like. Or be solo. If you're the first marketer, it's no one. And so if the expectation, it's perfect for someone who's trying to level up in their career because that person's going to be hungry for it and they're still going to think they can benefit greatly from that. So that's an opportunity. But you as a founder aren't getting the experience level necessarily that you need to execute on it well. And so that's sort of the like give and take that you have to consider. Also, like if you bring on someone who's too high level and doesn't execute, you need to suss that out in terms of your overall budget. Bringing on somebody that's too high level ends up just being a bigger cost because they then want to execute against this bigger plan where they're going to need more resources and they're not going to be the one actually executing. And so I think that's an interesting point, too, that the first marketer that a, a founder hires is probably not a marketing leader, right? Like you're probably moving from founder led sales to once you start to see enough consistency, you can start to scale it and marketing is sales at scale, right? So then you think about a marketing program, but you should have an ideally because you've done this and set this up from zero that you understand the type of marketer that you might need to execute on that opportunity for you. But it's not going to be the marketing leader yet, right? Like your first hire is not a leader. And if the first hire isn't a leader, which it probably shouldn't be, then how do you manage them? It's like, if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And that spectrum of like, you're not the strategic marketing leader. You just probably have like the first inkling of what to do. And that person that you're hiring is probably not used to managing up at to an executive level to be able to have the skill set of what you need to see and how much you need to overlap and what kind of trust and alignment you need to do. Like that is a huge riff, right? Exactly. And I think, yeah, it's like, You may know exactly what to do as a marketer going in as the first hire, but you don't know how to manage up yet, probably, unless they hire someone who is more of a consultant or like operates more like a consultant has been on the external side and has that confidence and swagger to influence the leader. Because otherwise it's blind trying to lead the the awake. And what happens is that's where all the problems come into play, where like they may be skeptical about something, not want to try it, not give enough time. And that's just is where we see the downward spiral of failure. And when we start to see the revolving door of marketers coming in and out, because really the leader is just floundering. They don't, they're either getting too much advice from too many different people and they're muddled, or they're getting advice that isn't helpful from people who don't know necessarily how to advise correctly in that area. And that's where the mayhem starts. And I think 
at least for me, like that's where you start to feel as the founder, you're like helpless. You start to feel out of control. And that's when you start diving even closer into it. Yes. And then we as marketers who have all experienced that, we're like, okay, this is horrible. Yeah. Now my founder is asking to read every piece of copy before it goes out or approve every post or whatever it is. And I think it's that metaphor of like when you have a handful of sand and you tighten your grip and it all slips out, which I think is a metaphor from Star Wars. (laughs) You're doing great today. You're doing so good. Oh, yeah. The Star Wars metaphor about the sand slipping out of the hands. Perfect. But I do feel like that's a little piece of this where if you are a founder and you hire on your first marketer or even you hire your first head of marketing, it does feel like that anxiety tightening of your grip is the thing that then everything slips out of your hand, right? And maybe the team leaves or maybe, you know, it's just an unsuccessful relationship. But that's an interesting balance that is very difficult because... If there's not trust, then a founder is not going to want to give a wide berth for to let the marketer or the marketing leader do stuff, right? That like building of trust and common language, I think it always keeps coming back to that is like, how do you build up enough trust? How do you build up enough alignment that you can give your marketers or your head of marketing enough room that you're not squeezing the bejesus out of them? Yeah. Well, I think that's where objectives come into play. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of marketing to see if the person you hired is doing a good job. You don't have to know a lot about how marketing is done to see whether or not your marketer is doing a good job. Yeah. But how do you do that? How do you see them if you don't know marketing? Right. So all you have to do is the thing that you're actually really good at already, which is setting objectives. That focuses on the more sort of numbers-driven strategic part of your brain. And so you have to work with your investors and your yourself and whoever you get advice from to know where you want to get to. You want to understand what your ultimate company objective is for the year and where you need support to get there from a marketing function. And so you're like, oh, we want to make this amount of revenue. We need this many customers as a result. Our current pipeline is X. Maybe it's zero or whatever it is from founder-led sales. And so what would it take to get to our objective. And you bring that to this marketer and then you look at it like a a product experiment. It's the same thing. You say, I want to get from here to there. And in my interview, the question I would ask the marketer is like, what do you think about that objective? Because a good marketer might even question the basis of the objective itself. Right. And maybe you're asking the wrong question. They're like, oh, you know, whatever. But also a good marketer isn't going to be like, oh my God, that's too much. That's crazy. Even though it probably, it might be. And it's like a good marketer is going to say, that's an ambitious goal. Here's what I've seen in the work that I've done already in terms of growth rates. But let's make that an ideal, what do you call it? The aspirational and say, if we do that, we'll set up milestones along the way. But I want to have kind of two forecasts so that you can benchmark me against a baseline amount of progress And that way it's not like you're fired if you don't hit this big, hairy, audacious goal. It's like, and that's something that even the founder can go in at be like, look, I don't know if this is possible, but I want to try. So can you just try to get here? We'll agree together on a benchmark for your get to keep your job. And that's it. And it's just, then it's just numbers. It's just numbers. And I know it's never that simple, right? The marketer is going to have explanations for why things did or didn't happen. But that's a great place to start. Yeah. 
I think that lower level is really interesting. It's like we always talk about the ceiling. We always talk about the goals that we're going to hit. We're always going to talk about like that upper boundary that if you ever hit it, it's amazing, right? Because I feel like it's usually pretty aggressive and amazing to actually accomplish that. That lower boundary is really interesting. Like if you fall below this, now I've lost complete trust in you and your job is on the line. And I think about this a lot because I coach anybody that's managing to have that clear and consistent of communication with their direct reports of if your performance drops to a level where you might not be able to be at this organization if it continues, I will say that in plain words, right? To say like, and that's what most people want. They just want to know that when it comes to you underperforming, that somebody would say those words to you of like, if this doesn't turn around or if you don't change this behavior or whatever it is, you might not be able to work here anymore. And I think like our lack of willingness to say such like specific words or even to say to somebody that you would be able to say those words to them is the reason that there's so much of this like messiness in corporate relationships, right? Of like business relationships of like the fact that we haven't decided what we would say and what words we would say to make the, somebody really know that like this is bad. That's also because they don't set the goals right either. The reason why those conversations are so hard is because they really haven't set tangible objectives and followed up on them month over month because they're so busy looking at a blog post or the founders get caught up in the creation of content, not the impact of content. You know, they get kind of scattered. It's like, no, no, no. The how, not your problem. The how only should come into play if something is going wrong or something is going right. And that's where you like double down on it. But it's like, you don't, those conversations are muddy because the expectations aren't clearly set and documented and worked against month over month. One, because the founder's getting scattered because that's natural at that phase and potentially scattering the marketer as well. Or you're not hiring a marketer who knows to help bring that clarity. The number of marketers I talk to are just like people applying for jobs, but most of the people who come to me are marketers. They like see something in a job wreck and are like, think it's exactly the way it has to be. Or they like make assumptions on what things mean based on convention. And I'm like, why don't you just say this is what you want? Or like, I want to structure this this way. Like, they're going to be happy if you have suggestions and guidance for how to structure this better. A job wreck is like a starting point. Yeah. And it might have been written by somebody in HR that actually doesn't know marketing at all and just decided to put some marketing terms in that they've heard once or twice, right? I've seen that before too, where I'm like, wait a second, that's just not even that. Like that title isn't that skill set. And it feels like it was like almost keyword stuffed by like somebody that just Googled what's the current marketing landscape of skill sets that somebody would need to do this. <laughs> Actually, speaking of job recs, and this is a total aside, Reddit just posted a really cool contract, it's like a six month contract doing some PMM stuff. And I was like, this is actually like. A, working with Reddit has got to be wild, like absolutely wild. But also it was cool. They kind of had this beginning, middle and end objective. And I was like, suddenly wanted to send it to a bunch of people because I was like, this is actually, I wouldn't do it because it's like they need the person to do the work and that's not me. But I was like, this is very succinct. It's not one of those boring, like you need to do email and social and, you know, PS, whenever anyone is talking about I read a job rec recently. I can't remember where, but they were like distribution, social media, email. I'm like, are you awake? This is a marketing agency too, actually. 
And I was like, you're saying social and email are all distribution. Like, what do you define as social? Like, if you are writing fucking tweets, I'm sorry. Well, I also think the interesting thing that I would like that when I was at OpenView, I was like wrapping my head in a pretzel trying to figure out like what was distribution versus its own channel. And I think that it used to be that we would think of oh, you build content and then you distribute it through a bunch of different channels to point back to the content. And like the landscape has completely changed where I think every single distribution channel, you have to think of it as like its own thing. But anyways, the thing I wanted to ask you is what you're thinking about in terms of like, when would a founder need to think about hiring either the first marketer or a head of marketing? And those might be two different inflection points. And what should their objectives be? Like, what can marketing do? And when would you be ready to hire a marketer? Because I've seen people try to hire too early or try to hire too late. I would say don't hire immediately, especially if you're going for a head of marketing role. I would say bring on, like, get a fractional person, like really interview the shit out of fractional folks or even agencies if you're looking for someone to just do the work. Give them clear objectives, including not only do I need you to achieve these marketing objectives, but I also need you to help me write a job rec and set up, help stand up the bones of a marketing org such that you set me, you help me bring on the right person to take me and then to take me from zero to one. I think that's what I would do first because that's a lot of the work that you and I do. It's like people will... I've edited job recs before the HR wrote. You're going to find the wrong person. Yeah. Somebody that's going to apply to this is going to be the wrong person. Exactly. And even interviewing, I'm like, you sent me the wrong candidate. Like, this is a waste of my time. I would say that's where I would start because it's less commitment. It is less impact if you go wrong, especially since a lot of places right now are more month to month. There's less of that, like, you have to do a six-month retainer to work with a person or an agency. So I would start there and try to learn from that person a little bit and just get enough, just enough. Don't learn the tactics, just learn enough to understand how to set the right objectives, have them help you get started and then peace out. And maybe they help in the beginning kind of like speak between you two and get you that shared language that you talk about. I think that's the most cost efficient thing to do. I think hiring people is really expensive, especially if you can't, if there's a demonstrated pattern of firing at that stage, the revolving door. So it's like, well, why would you waste that money? Because people get hung up a lot on this whole, like, I don't want to work with an external whatever. And this sounds like an ad for agencies, but I don't work at one anymore. So it's fine. Don't worry. I'll do the opposite of an ad for agencies in just a second. Well, they're so they're like, I don't want to work with an external place. I don't want to bring in, you know, like, how do I know if I can trust them? I'm like, how do you know you can trust the person you just hired? Like you should be interviewing any consultant or agency the same way. They're going to have their thing that they do. Don't let them do that. Be like, this is what I need you to achieve. Like you can set those boundaries and then it's like a little bit less if it doesn't work out or whatever. Well, I have my anti-agency rant because I just think that my overall understanding is that like the agency business model tends to have more overhead than a solopreneur or freelancer. Then normally I know that there's good agencies out there that don't overpromise, under deliver, but I think it, it's right. Like an agency is trying to sell the fact that you're getting access to a lot of wonderful people for almost full time, if not full time. And in reality, to make the unit economics work, you have to spread those people out across multiple companies or multiple contracts, right? And so there tends to be this over promise under deliver. And then 
when it turns bad, what an agency then has to do is always spend the majority of their employees time on whoever's the maddest. It almost encourages bad behavior for like you only pay attention to the client that's mad at you. So clients then start to know that they just have to be pissy in order to get better service. I'm saying the absolute failure mode of agencies. And I think what you don't see when it comes to like now there's so many more folks that are solopreneurs and individual resources on the market right now. That is, I think, a reason why a lot of agencies are in trouble is that there's this glut of talent where you don't have to do the agency overhead. You can find somebody that has that exact skill set that's willing to work fractionally with you. And, you know, you're probably paying them more than what they would be paid if they were working the same amount of hours in-house somewhere, but you cut out the whole overhead process. So that's my agency rant, which is also... But the other thing I'll say, my advice for founders is please, when you are consuming content about marketing, either on LinkedIn or you're reading a blog post or you're doing something and you get that little inkling of like, ooh, either maybe I should do this thing. Maybe this is written exactly for me and I should do it. Or maybe I should screenshot this and send it to my marketing team. I need them to do one extra step and say, who is creating this content? And if it is an agency or it's a MarTech solution, I think you need to have a much more critical eye on whether or not that's actually the right thing for you to do. I think the thing I'm seeing right now is founders are rightfully very confused about the landscape of marketing right now because there's so many marketers and marketing agencies and MarTech solutions creating a lot of content saying that this is going to be your saving grace. I increased my revenue 3x by investing in whatever it is, right? Like you just have to be more critical with like where this information is coming from. And so I almost said blanket statement, like founders should stop consuming content about marketing on the internet. But we're also a marketing podcast. So like still listen to us. (laughs) So then I was like, what I was thinking about in my head, I'm like, no, it just needs to be that you like do that second order because a lot of like a lot of content marketing about marketing is getting really good And it's like hitting, it's like hiding the fact that it's actually technically like sales collateral, right? Or like a white paper or whatever it is to try to sell you to do it with that company. And I think especially a lot of times on LinkedIn, we lose that context. And I I see it so often where a founder gets really excited about an idea, you know, screenshots it or, or when we were at the conference last year in California and we would just every time there's a presentation, we saw the founders like pull up their phones and we're like, oh, no, they're going to send it to their marketing team with like no context. Just like, can we do this? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in there. The one person the one I would add also founders seeing LinkedIn posts from their friends who achieved something and taking a critical eye to that too. Like, are they the same type of company? Did they do this in the same time period that we're currently operating in? Because one of the reasons that founders are so confused right now is because the marketing landscape has changed so dramatically. The platforms that are being most consumed, just like TikTok, YouTube, X, and threads being a place that seems nice and like people are using it. Like, I don't know how many people are using it for B2B SaaS business. Also, because as we know, that type of social media distribution doesn't really work anymore unless you're paying for it. And so if I were a founder or a CEO and I saw something that sparked my interest, no matter what it was, I would send it. If I wanted to send it, I would send it to my marketer and say, hey, I saw this post. What do you think about this? Is this something that I should be paying attention to? And also, while I'm here, is there any way I can support you more? Like, would you would having access to me be helpful? Like, are there ways you wish I was participating in terms of like providing 
insights or whatever that could help you. I would go in with the question to start building because you keep talking, you're talking about trust, right? It's like one way to develop trust is to ask, open yourself up and say, I have a question. What do you think? And then you get to start to see how they think. Yeah, that idea of like, you teach me about this and and where I can scaffold this piece of information into my brain about marketing because it sparked some interest, but it's not the end all be all. I mean, that culture of curiosity is just so important, right? Of like, how should I be thinking about this? And as marketers, we're put in this place to always kill it because the question that we get asked is like, it's not even asked. It's like, I want to do this. And we're like, oh, brother. The inevitable, there was that period of time where no matter what company you went to, the first thing the founder said was like, I really want to start a podcast. And you're like, back before it was like as easy as to do now, you're like, oh my God, I can't. And this is why they don't get along because the original sin is a lack of curiosity. It's a bias to action. And I know that that's going to sound absolutely antichrist to startups, but it's like that bias to action doesn't always serve you unless you change the definition of an action where an action can still be a question. Well, I think my other thing for like advice for founders is just this core idea of like, you are probably thinking too much about channels and not enough about how programs actually get built, right? And the idea is that a marketing program is not a channel in and of itself, right? And like this idea that the channels and the tactics in those channels are super visible to you. And it makes sense that you are glomming on to all of the different tactics that you can do in marketing. But the more that you can understand that that is not marketing, right? And that you are not building a team of tactics doers. You are building an organization that has real business impact. You can then task them appropriately to say, to your point earlier in this conversation, like have this business impact. That's the correct altitude to then say, and then align with me on what your plan is for the program that you're going to build, including which channels and tactics you might be experimenting with while you build this thing. But it makes so much sense to me, and I see it so often, and I'm frustrated by it, but like I get why it's happening, is that the channels and the tactics are so visible, and that's all people talk about in terms of marketing, is they talk about, I did this tactic in this channel, and I had this result, not like this was where I started from in terms of the business value I was trying to have. I experimented with XYZ things. This thing worked because I think of, you know, there's no thoughtful analysis of like top down marketing. It's always like pinpointed into the specific tactic and the specific channel that then was like is hearkened as like the best thing in the entire world. So I can see why it's happening, but it's so frustrating to me because I'm like, that's just a channel. It's not marketing. Also, like if I'm a founder, do I really want to be reading all of that versus being like, hi, I need this accomplished versus the founder saying, hi, I need to get to this place in three months. Is this something? Can you get me there? Give me a sense for how you're going to approach it or whatever. If you must. What is the one month early indication that we're on the right path? Yeah, whatever it is. But I'm like, I don't want to know the details. I'm like, can you do this with this budget in this timeline? And this actually could set up a really interesting model where it's more contract to hire, where you're like, look, I've never hired for this role before. So I'm setting up this framework to help me understand how it's going to work and who's going to be a fit. So if you can, if we can agree on where to get to in month three, and at that point we can say, okay, this is working or not working for both of us working with this person. And so if I'm doing that, I don't even need to know the channels. I don't need to know. I don't need as much of a robust marketing plan. I just need to know 
where you promise we're going to get to, what the early milestones are. But like, I shouldn't have to ask that. If you're hiring someone as your first marketing hire, you shouldn't have to ask that. The expectation is get here in three months. And you've agreed both that like, this is realistic. And you should really only have to hear from them if things are going wrong or things are going aggressively, like more right than you thought and you have to recalibrate. Oh, I think you have to hear from them every week on whether or not where you are above a blow. Well, no, I don't mean like, I know that's what people want. They think they want, but I don't think that's good. If I'm going to hire, so like if I hire a consultant, I shouldn't have to worry if they're doing their work every week. I should just get it delivered when it's supposed to be delivered. That's how I know they're working. And so like an ideal case scenario, especially this is where you have to get out of the like, it's the founder mindset versus the like CEO mindset. A CEO is like trying to set up systems that require minimal amount of their input to get maximum value, in which case their time being the most expensive needs to be the thing that's saved. That's interesting. And a founder is trying to build everything from scratch themselves. So they're in the weeds. Ooh. Yeah. It's hard to switch my brain while because the founder is probably deep in the product, right? And so it's going to be hard for them to suddenly look at another department on a zoomed out level. But that's exactly what they need. Like when I was setting up a finance department, I was like, okay, I started off by doing it, which was like a nightmare, but I learned a lot. So it made it easier to like later on, I was like, actually really appreciated it. It helped me be a better business leader. But like, you know, I started off by doing it and then I wanted certain things to be done. So I just didn't have to think about them. And then I got brought into the finances at a place where it was like, okay, you need to analyze this for the board. We're going to use this to make decisions about our revenue goal this year or whatever. I mean, I think the core of our conversation centered around this idea of knowing when to be curious and knowing when to trust. And I think that that's a a balance for a founder to think about in their daily lives, not only just with marketing leadership, but also with probably anyone that they've managed that they haven't done it before, is to figure out where that space is of like, when are you going to be curious? When are you going to trust? What are the signals you need to see? And if you can clearly communicate that to the person that you're managing, you don't have to have done that job before. You can just make sure and and also build that emotional safety that that person can say, you're getting a little too curious. Do I need to push you some more information? Because that's a lot of curiosity coming my way. But I think that that tension, I think, is the thing that always comes down to, especially if you're managing somebody in a role that you've never done before, is what is your own understanding of when you're supposed to be curious versus when you need to trust and give them some bandwidth to be able to do the thing? Yeah. Mine's like, you don't need to be an expert in marketing to hire an effective marketer that will achieve your goals. You just need to know what your objectives are and be able to have a contract negotiation with the person you're going to hire or literally contract first and keep it simple. Like don't overthink it. Actually, you just need to set the right objectives, create a contract with that person that works around milestones and what that actually looks like, whether it's contract to hire, full-time hire, et cetera, and be really clear. And you should just be able to let them go. And after a month or two months, like you'll know if they're not doing, you know, if you write that stuff down, if you're really clear about it and you treat it like a contract, you don't need to be an expert to get what you need for marketing. And you don't have to spend time going on LinkedIn, looking at what companies are saying you should do related to their own product and sending it to your marketer. You can 
go for a run or just lay down for a second. I wished for that all the time. I wanted to lay down constantly. I never could. If someone told me that, I'd be like, great. Yeah. That last piece I think is really important to me is to be like a little healthily suspicious over what people are selling when it comes to the content about marketing. And you don't even have to worry about being suspicious if you've hired someone and set clear objectives such that you can see if they're doing a good job and you get curious and you ask them what they think when you read something like that. And especially if they say, don't even pay attention. You're like, yay, thank you for saving me time. Instead of like, did you consider this enough? It's like, you should know they are because they're hitting their objectives. So they're clearly a hero. And that is the greatest story ever told. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm like imagining the music in like the music transition here. I'm like, (laughs) beep-loop, beep-loop, (laughs) beep-loop. Music transition. (laughs) I love it so much. I also don't know what our music transition sounds like because that was not a tune. Like that was not a consistent, cohesive tune. It wasn't even a tune. You just said words.